for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will always confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That comes from the verses in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 4, chapter 1, 4 through 9. That was my first life verse God gave me with College Heights Baptist Church. Because of your faithfulness to Christ, I am not the same woman I was when I first entered the church here over 30 years ago. You have beautifully modeled for me what stewardship is through your love, your many prayers, your obedience to God's word. and your trust in his calling on your life. Just pray that I get through this, because that's really what's going to be important. I'll just send you the letter. <laughs> God's word says, do not despise meager beginnings, because um, it's in Zechariah 4.10. So when I first joined College Heights Baptist Church, I had very little to offer financially, spiritually, or emotionally. But hindsight is twenty twenty. I see now how God would take me, a vulnerable single mother of a toddler, trying to make it through college and navigate through a painful divorce with limited knowledge of God's word and of his gracious love and his strong might. And through this people, he would set me on a journey from baby Christian to full maturity in Christ. You have loved me to Christ. You have modeled for me what stewardship is in the way that you love your family, your neighbor, and even your enemy. You have shown me how to trust God in every area of my life, especially in those areas of great vulnerability. When I am tempted to make sense of this world on my own terms, I am assured that the Lord will bring me back to him through his word, which he hides in my heart and turns into a prayer or a word of encouragement or a deciding factor in a pivotal moment in life. I thank the Lord that I am financially secure and have been debt-free for a lot of years. I have learned that everything I have, everything I ever will have, and anything I ever dream of having is all from God and is his. He owns it all. I have seen that God is faithful to his word when he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And that's in Malachi 3.10. Thank you, College Heights Baptist Church. For giving a faithful portion of your love and your financial means, and for traveling this journey of following Christ with me. 
May God bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I feel like that is a good stopping point. I want to give a little plug for Financial Peace University, if the Lord ever puts it on the hearts of anyone to, to lead that, because he used that to help me learn more about stewardship and trusting him with my financial means and also my other resources he's given me. So, um, and that is why I'm, that is one of the big reasons I am able to be debt-free and be generous, um, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Um, and it was College Heights that brought that to me. So that's my little plug for that. Thank you for listening, and uh, I love you. Thanks, April. Um, <clears throat> today we're going to talk about the dangers of debt. In Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And, <clears throat> and so kind of coming into this, I'd asked April to share her story, because I think it's a powerful story of, of what um, God has done in her life and, and how um, through just, just um, some careful planning and... Uh, and so forth with budgeting and, and, and having a, a proper understanding of, of, um, of resources, all the resources that we have. Um, she's accomplished some amazing things um, as a single mom and uh, done, done a great job as, as she's done that. And so <clears throat> as we come in, the, the proverb basically tells us debt is something that is debilitating and demoralizing. It, it's something that really takes us down. And, and it's impossible to, to, to live the happier, prosperous life that's described in the book of Proverbs under those conditions. And, and I want to be really cautious here and say, being a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy. It doesn't mean you're going to have all kinds of stuff. That's, that's not what it is. God isn't an ATM where we pop the car, card in and, and ka-ching, things come out, or we say a prayer. and God, that, That's not what this is about. Um, but... Uh, it is easy to see this from the outside to look in, and and I could easily come in and, and look at it and go, yeah, we can talk about debt, and, and we could jump into statistics and talk about you know consumer debt, and the credit card debt, national debt, blah 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 blah, all of that. You can look it up online, and and you can get lost in it and have your eyeballs pop out really quick. But um, I'll, I'll leave that for you if, if you're interested in it. Today, I, I don't really, I'm not interested in, in the statistics or anything. I'm more in, interested in looking at why does this matter and how can I avoid it? Why does it matter? Why does debt matter? Why does it matter that, that you owe money that you don't have? Why, why is that important to understand the significance of that and, and what it does to you or to us, what it, what it does as, as we come in? And... Um, and, and I'm not talking about mortgage debt here or just basic stuff, housing and so forth. We're talking about consumer debt. We're talking about going down to the cafe this afternoon and putting on a credit card a lunch that you don't have money to pay for. Um, going down and buying a rifle that you don't have money to pay for. Going down and buying a pair of shoes that you don't have money to pay for. Going on a trip that you don't have money to pay for. And, and thinking, oh, I can pay it off over time. That's, that's saying, hey, I... I don't have to worry about it. 
So what I'm talking about is, is that kind of thing. And, and I also want to say that as we do that, we are going to be offering help for those who are in debt. We're going to start a financial peace class in January. Um, Dan and Julie Putner are going to lead that. And if you are, are in this position of debt, first of all, this isn't to make you feel bad or go, you're a terrible person. This is to say, you know what? There are tools available that can take you from point A to point B. They can take a single mom and, and move her from a single mom who's a college student into graduating, paying off my debt, paying off my house, and, and being in my car and everything else and being set free. Anybody can do that. It's not rocket science. It's simple. There are people in our church, there are many people, you know, if you've got problems, there are people here who would be happy to sit down with you and go over those things and, and to help you out. Not to make you feel bad, but to say, you know what? This is where I learned because these are skills not everybody learns growing up. And, and our culture is a culture that says it's okay to be in over your head because our country's in over its head, right? So that's the way that it works. And ultimately, you've got to pay the piper. You have to pay the piper sometime coming in. So it's important for us to do this because debt can prevent us from being fully focused on God and being faithful stewards of what he's given and richly provided to us. So as, as we come in here, remember last week, 1 Timothy 6.17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So the debt we're talking about is consumer debt. We're not talking about mortgage debt. We're not talking about medical debt. We're talking about the debt that, that we have total control over. And um, it, it's um, money that's borrowed on credit to purchase things that just go away. Um, so first of all, it says the rich rules over the poor. Who, who, what is rich? What, can, can you even define rich? You know, can you put a number on that? What is the dollar amount to make someone rich? How much does it take to qualify to be in that? Can we objectively define it? Um, I would say today, if any of us traveled to a third world country, we would immediately be considered rich because we're Americans. Um, if you can go down to the shortstop down here and buy a soda, you're rich. By global standards, you're rich because you're spending more than a day's wages to buy something that's not good for you that, um, that you don't need. It's just a luxury. So that, that's rich. Um, so even if, if by American standards you think, you know, I'm really poor and, and, and so forth, really by global standards you're rich. Um, we have the freedom and the physical prosperity to do the things um, that, that make us rich. Do we, have, do we have that? Do we have the freedom and physical prosperity? I mean, those things we have, but, but do those things make us rich? Does it make you rich to have stuff? Does, does that make you rich? If you want to know your true wealth, sit and write down everything you have that death cannot take away. Write down everything you own today that death will not separate from you. Write down the things that money cannot buy because true wealth is found in relationships. True wealth is found in a legacy that we pass down to others. True wealth is, is found in the influence that we have to reach people for Christ, to build them up, to help them grow, to move them 
from immaturity to maturity, to help them to learn life skills that, that God has taught us that are biblical foundational things in life, how to love people, how to raise children, how to manage resources, how to share your faith. Those are all true wealth. Those are things that make a difference. In the proverb, the rich is the one with power over the one lending. And in, in, in this proverb, that word rich, it really means the powerful, the one with power. And wealth, wealth does sometimes become power. Those, those things come in there, and, and we'll get to that. But for now, I want us to look at what real wealth and real freedom are. As we come into here and we talk about real wealth and real freedom, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt, that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So God has paid our debt. He has canceled this debt. And our sin debt, that's, that's the most overwhelming debt that any of us will ever have is, is our debt of sin that, that, that Jesus has paid and covered. That's the ultimate relationship is his love for us that he has come to take that from us and give us life. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, goes on to say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those, of, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So as we come in, what is rich? Rich is knowing Jesus. Rich is knowing that we are right with God. Rich is knowing that we can come to our Heavenly Father at any time. Rich is knowing that we are not condemned. And I'll choose Jesus over everything else because He alone satisfies and sets me free. And, and so as we come in here, this is, this is first and foremost coming in and we are rich beyond imagination in Jesus with a wealth that honestly we can't even express. Words cannot express the wealth that we have in Christ. And when we borrow for unnecessary things, when we buy things with money that we don't have, that are not necessary to live, we're telling God that his provision is unsatisfactory. When it really comes down to it, we're telling God that you are not enough. And we're putting ourselves into bondage in addition to that. We're not only we're we telling God it's not enough, but we're putting ourselves in bondage because we become the poor. We become the one ruled over. We become the one who has somebody holding something over our heads. I'll go back. When I was in seminary a long time ago, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <clears throat> um, I had a, a missions professor. He was a retired missionary. He had spent his life in Africa um, as a missionary, and, and, and he would constantly say, don't get in debt. Don't get in debt. If you get in debt, you will not be able to serve. You will not be able to serve Jesus if you're in debt. The International Mission Board won't even look at you if you're in debt. Interesting, he said, no debt. You have to be debt-free. And he said, because it's a terrible testimony for a missionary not to pay their bills. And he said, we want to be people of integrity, and we will not, you will never be able to go 
until that is gone. So these are interesting things kind of coming in. And and he said, you know what, if you want to make a wholesale difference, if you want to see people come to Christ wholesale, you go overseas because they're hungry and they want to know Christ. They want to know what we have. And so being free to serve and being free from the bondage of debt, it it really is a biblical principle. It's something that comes in Romans 13.8, says, oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. We come in today, Veterans Day yesterday, we owe a debt of love to those who have served because this is something that says, I have given something. It's not something that you can put a dollar amount on. It's not something that you can buy. I mean, you can compensate people for serving, but, but that doesn't cover what is given. It's more than that. So, and this is what it's saying. There are things that, that money don't cover. And, and you will always have that debt to one another. You will always owe love and respect to other people. So how do we do it? How, how do we come in and, you know, having said all of that, so that's like the Bible part of all of it. That, that, is, that is the part theologically that undergirds everything that we talked about today. So how are, what, are the, what are the steps in doing this, in borrowing? And, and so I want to look at just a few simple principles today. And the first one is to, to plan your spending. You have to plan your spending. If you want to prevent being in the debt trap, you have to plan your spending. It's, it's setting a budget. Maybe you've never set a budget in your life. Uh, maybe you kind of have one and, and, and roll with it. But it may seem difficult or scary. Um, it, it might seem, you know, for some people, it's just like, but, but that's so boring. It takes all the fun out of life, or it takes the adventure out, or spontaneity. Um, the truth is, it makes life less complicated. It, it prevents you from becoming complicated. It removes stress, and it a- enables you to focus on the things that really matter. In Proverbs 27, 23, the principles laid out like this, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure nobody in here has goats, probably. Um, <clears throat> maybe you have a pet goat, I don't know, but, but I don't hear too many people around here with goats. Um, but uh, in that day, goats were money in the bank. It's an agrarian society. So when you're talking about goats, goat hair, milk, and so forth, they, they just they lived in an agrarian society trading, bartering, and, and so forth. If, if it was written today, what Proverbs would say is know your monthly bills, know what your needs are, and, and understand what they're going to be coming out. That would be your housing. What's my mortgage payment or what's my rent? We all have to have those, right? Everybody needs a place to live. Um, how much is my insurance? That's the next thing you go insurance. You know, I've got to have insurance if I drive a car. How much does it cost to um, upkeep my car? What's my health insurance cost? Um, how much are my groceries going to be each month? My clothing, my gas, my utilities, phone, internet, cable, if anybody has cable anymore. Um, <clears throat> you know, all of these things that, that electricity um, repairs. Everything you have is going to break. Everything that we own today is going to break eventually. So that money 
put back to repair it? Um, do I have um, money set aside for medical needs, for medicines or whatever, debt payments, student, student loans, consumer debt, giving, savings, entertainment, uh, you know, probably left something off, but that gives you an idea. If that proverb was written today, that these are the things that he would be talking about. He wouldn't be talking about goats and, and feeding your household and so forth. He would just be talking about these things that, that make sense. But, but you put all this down so you can track it and you can make adjustments to it as it goes and understand, do I have what I need to live within my means? And that's the second thing. We have to be um, have a budget and live within our means. Do the things that we can do. And, and it's easy to live beyond your means. It's really easy, and, and our culture makes it simple today. You get credit card offers every day in, in the mail, probably. Um, I mean, we constantly get things from, you name the bank, they send it to us. And um, uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, I, I, went, I was at the bank one time, and they were trying to give me a loan. I didn't ask for a loan. They were just trying, hey, oh, hey, oh, your house is paid for. We, we could give you a loan on that. I said, well, that's the point. I don't want a loan. The point is, is that I don't owe you any money, and I'm not going to pay you more for your money than your money's worth. Um, that that you know that's that's the point. But it's easy; it's real easy to get credit and become enslaved to debt. So these things they they come on, and, and the way to avoid it, the way to avoid that is to be content with what God has given you. In Hebrews 13:5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or Proverbs 27, 20 says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? We always just want a little bit more. We always want just a little bit more. It's kind of like dessert. You know, I just, just want another bite. Just a little bit more of that chocolate. Just a little bit more. And then afterwards you go, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. And that's the way it is. We just take in a little bit more. So have a budget, live within your means, and then the third thing is to set up a plan to pay off your debt. So you plan your spending. Well, you set up a plan to pay off your debt in that budget. And there are a lot of different ways to do that, but probably the simple one, and this is in financial peace, the one they have there is called the debt snowball. You pick up, list out all your debts, take the smallest one you got, pay it off first so you get a win under your belt. It always feels good to win, right? It always feels good to check the box. So, or at least it does for me. You may not be task-oriented, but I'm task-oriented, so I love to, you know, I just love that. I love, as a matter of fact, sometimes, let's confess, every now and then I get my phone and I put my task list and, I, you know, and they disappear after you check them, but sometimes I check the little thing that'll show me what I've done. Makes me feel good. So, you know, it's just, just kind of nice. You know, it's nice to have a win. Um, so, uh, or maybe, have you ever written something on your list after you did it because you forgot to put it down, but you wanted it to be on your list so you could check it off? Yeah, see, I see some of you doing that. Yeah, see, we're, we're related. Um, but uh, it's a sick thing. It's a sick thing. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's good. But, but, but if we do that, we set up a plan to pay it off. So you, you start with the small one because it gives that win, feels good, and, and you go to the second one. You know, if you say, oh, $50 here, I pay the 50 off, then I, I take the money that I was putting on the 50 and I put it on the $100 debt or the $1,000 debt or the 10000 whatever it is. And you just keep 
doing it until you're out and, and you go on. So you keep adding and you get a little extra here, or there, you know, you get a, a permanent fund and instead of putting money down on a snow machine that you shouldn't pay for, that you shouldn't get because you don't have money to pay for it, I'm your friend. Um, you take that $3,200 this year and you slap that down on your car debt or your credit card debt or whatever. And, um, and, and you go by Fred Meyer and you just kind of get a smile on your face at all the people blowing theirs out on a new Nintendo Game Boy or whatever, whatever the newest device is out there. And, and you go on. So, so you set up a plan to pay off your debt and, and you move from there. And this gives you a quick one to build on. The other one would be the debt avalanche that, that you take the one with the highest interest rate and you pay it off first because you're losing the most money on it. Anyway, two different ways to do it. So we're the rich. Rich means you got more than, than, um, than, than you need to live on. Um, <clears throat> plan your spending with a budget, living within your means, and setting up a plan to pay off debt. And then the final thing, um, deal would be to um, come in and live free. Live free. Um, being in debt means that I'm obligated to someone else. The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the slave of the lender. And that's the interesting language, saying that you're a slave. You're a slave when you owe money to someone else. And, and when you come in there, meaning this, this is the meaning of it. When I'm in debt, I'm obligated. I'm obligated. I'm on the hook to pay someone else. I'm on the hook to pay them. And that means that they have first dibs on my money. It means if I have a mortgage on my house, they can foreclose on my house, and they can take my house from me. It means if I have a car, that they can take my car from me. I have to pay that off. As a matter of fact, I, I, uh, I had a friend a long time ago. He sold cars. He sold used cars. And he told me he can make more money. He can make more money by loaning money to sell cars than he could make selling cars. He said, because you, and he said, he said, I don't do it. He said, I don't like doing it because it's, it's ugly. But he said, basically, the way it's set up is every Friday, you make your payment. If you don't make your payment on Friday, Friday night you're out with a tow truck hauling the thing back in and you sell it again. And you sell it again. And you sell it again. He said there are cars that get sold so many times that it's insane. And he said it's an ugly business. But, but that's the way it works. You know, Sears and Roebuck, they learned that they could make more money on credit cards than they could selling merchandise on revolving credit. So it, it all comes in, and it's all about the dollar. So it's understanding, understanding the principle that when I'm in debt, I'm on the hook. I'm on the hook for that. I am the slave to the lender, and I have to pay them before I pay myself, or I will default on my loans. And Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And, and so it, the Bible also tells us when we borrow money and we don't pay it back, that's wrong. It's wrong. Now, I'm not saying if you know, you, bad things happen, your business cratered, and it wasn't because you were foolish or whatever, and you went bankrupt. That's, that's a different thing. I'm just saying, I'm just borrowing willy-nilly, and I'm not paying it back. So, <clears throat> if my purpose is to honor Jesus and to show others how great he is, then I have to be a wise spender so that I'm debt-free. 
if, if I want to honor Jesus and show the people around me how great he is, um, the goal is, is to not owe people money, is, is to be debt-free um, and, and to be a wise spender. And, and that's, what, you know, that's what April shared in her testimony, that this is what God has done in me. This is what God has made possible. Um, it's not about me. It's about learning biblical principles, people investing in me spiritually um, and helping me and teaching me and, and all of these principles coming together to move. So if, <clears throat> if we do that, then, then that means staying away from consumer debt and working to eliminate all other debt. So how do we do that? How do we live free? We, first of all, you have to be content. Be content. It goes back to what we started off in, in the beginning that um, God wants us to be content with what he richly provides. God promises to meet our needs, not our greeds, but our needs, and, and debt is presuming upon him. So we've been inoculated to the dangers of debt. We live in a culture where debt is, you know, it's just considered normal. If you go down to the car lot to buy a car, they're not going to tell you how much the car pay it costs. They're going to tell you, that, well, this is what it will cost you a month, per month. They'll give you a month thing. Well, how much is it? Well, I'd have to go look at that. And I think, are you that dumb? I mean, do you really not know how much your selling costs? Do you not? I mean, give me a, just, I've done this before. Well, just give me a ballpark. Well, I, I can't really do that. I say, well, you know, is it $10,000, $30,000? What, what, what are we looking at? Well, I'll, I'll have to go ask. Well, you know, it's $600 a month. Can't you figure that out times this many months? You know, there, there, there is a thing there. So, so there, there is this thing. So, we need to be careful because it's easy to get in. It's easy to get credit, but it's hard to get out of debt. <clears throat> and so, consumer debt is is just dissatisfaction with what God has given to us. And and I can't really make it any clearer than that. In First Timothy six six through ten, it says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world." But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money <coughs> is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Um, notice he didn't say money's evil, he just said the love of it is evil. Money's it's morally neutral. Look, a hundred dollar bill, you you can you can buy groceries with it, you can do something bad with it. You, you you choose what it does. You choose what your money does. You tell it what to do. Um, so, first of all, we we need to be content. The second thing is to reject the temptation of materialism. It kind of goes along with that, but um, this is the time of year as as we come into the holidays. This is the time of year where it's really easy to spend. It's easy to be pulled in to spending. Um, it's easy to spend more than we plan to spend, and, and the causes vary. For instance, some, some people feel pressured. They feel pressured, you know, I've got to meet this level of, of giving and gift giving, so I feel like I have to do this much. If I don't do this much, people are gonna perceive me as whatever. So you feel pressured. Um, you might just get caught up in all of it. You might just like to do it. And then, you know, it's like, oh, but I want to do this, and I want to do this. And 
and and so you it might be there where where you would move away from whatever you have budgeted. Um, it, it could be that you do that to gain approval, that that's the way that you gain people's approval, um, or it makes you feel good. The, the reasons don't really matter. It doesn't matter why. What matters is the result, and the result is bondage. We have to continually tell ourselves the result. When I <clears throat> fall into this temptation of materialism, the result is going to be bondage. Uh, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You, you can't be generous when you're materialistic. It, it doesn't work. And then the final thing is, is to remember in, in Living Free is to remember that God is the owner. We talked about that last week, but that's the real issue. The real issue is ownership. Do I understand and, and when we get down to this, it really clarifies everything. It brings it into focus because our prosperity and our wealth are really all from him. It's all from him, and it's all for him. And if I get that wrong, <clears throat> I won't be able to use it for his kingdom purposes. I won't be able to use it for the things that he wants to do, and I won't be able to experience the satisfaction that comes from that. If you go back to the beginning, we talked about if I want to know my true wealth, it's not my net worth. It's not, you know, am I six figures, am I seven figures, am I eight figures? That, that, that's not your worth. That's a number on a piece of paper. Your true wealth is the people around you who love you and you love. Your true wealth is the influence that you have on the people in our community and, and the people in our, in our world. The true wealth is, is the way that we use what we give to build the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, you know, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. But instead, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy nor thieves break in and steal. For where <clears throat> your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and so as you come in there, what, what Jesus is saying is we, we have to have this mindset that's right and, and that the things that matter to us are not the things that we hold in our hands. They're the things that last beyond that. So that would be the people as a church that we influence. It, it will be the young families. It'll be the the. the children who are in our church who grow up here it will be them as they grow up and they learn about christ it will be as we influence them within the community as they see us out they see you at the school they see you at their sporting events they see you in the grocery store you may be their teacher or their coach or the person who taught them how to fish or cook or whatever it might be and and they look and go you know what this person loved me this person represented Jesus, and, and I didn't always even know it, but, but as I grew and watched, I understood this is the principle underneath all of it that drives them. This is the thing, that they had a kingdom mentality, and I finally came to the point in life where I understood what that was, and, and I want that for myself. And we pass it down. And those are the things that we don't hold in our hand, God holds them in heaven. Those are the things that make a lasting difference.
You see, stuff is never going to satisfy us. We'll never get enough. We will never, ever, any of us, we'll never get enough. We just won't. But it can master us. It may not satisfy us, but it can master us. And it's a terrible master. It's a terrible, terrible master. Debt is an evil slave master. Avoid it at all costs. It will suck the joy out of your life. It will cause stress that's beyond imagination. It can wreck homes. It can wreck marriages. It can wreck friendships. It can wreck all kinds of things. Stay away from debt. And our real goal is to serve several billion people who don't know Jesus. That's the real goal. I mean, isn't that the goal? I mean, isn't the goal for us as a church that we will reach two billion people who've never known the name of Jesus? That's the goal. Because that lasts forever. Um, I look at it like this, you know, for what we spend on a cup of coffee, we can buy a Bible that Dave Peterson can take to Africa, and he's going to share next month about what's, what's that, but uh, he can take, you know, four bucks, five bucks, you can take and you can buy a Bible, he can take it to Africa, give it to a child who's never owned one in their life, they don't have half a dozen of them sitting in the bottom of the toy box somewhere, they've never had one, they'll hold it, they'll cherish it, They'll read it, and the Spirit of God will impact their lives for eternity. That's what I want to be a part of. Not a cup of coffee that woke me up in the middle of the night, as good as it is, that's on a swipe that I can't pay for at the end of the month. It really kind of draws it into perspective, doesn't it? It just brings it down into what it is. And, and it, you know, we, we talk about a cup of coffee. It could be something else. It, it could be a, a, a thing, a, a purchase, a good, or a service, but, but whatever it is. Um, but we can take that. That's one thing. And, and every kid that gets that Bible, they're going to hear how to know Jesus. They're going to get a gospel witness with it. What, what better thing can we invest in? Or... <clears throat> he'll share about how we can invest in being partners and in, in helping them build their own school. Not doing it for them, but partnering with them so they can do. And, and we have missionaries all over the globe that we support every week as you give through the cooperative program. As we give, it supports 4,000-plus missionaries globally who are sharing the gospel with people who some of them have never heard the gospel message. And we have people that we support as a church through our giving who go to countries where they may spend four, five, six, seven, eight years sharing the gospel in a place where they've never heard about Jesus until they can reach people. And then, and then over years of investment, that explodes. And all of a sudden, that person shares with their family member. Their family members get saved. Their neighbors get saved. Their village gets saved. 
And that's the picture in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 around the throne, the, the myriads of people worshiping the Lamb. Psalm 50 verse 12, God says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. So <clears throat> as we move to this time of year, I want to challenge you to look. You know, look at your ledger. Look at it. And <clears throat> I want... If, you're, if you are looking at debt and you're going, you know, I don't know how I could ever get, get out of it, you can. You can do it. Look, if a single mom can do that, any of us can. Any of us can. It just takes a plan and trusting God to do what only God can do and, and, and God to provide. And, and God <clears throat> has shown his love to us in amazing ways, and he wants us to use this love, this, these gifts that he's given to us, that he's richly provided with us, to bring us joy, to bring us joy. And, and that joy is not in, in, in selfish gain, but that joy comes through reaching other people, through blessing other people, through investing in other people and watching them come and grow. And that's what we leave behind. That's what we leave behind. We have rich relationships in this life, and we leave behind a legacy that, that reaches more people for Jesus and make him known to the world. <clears throat> so, you know, today, who, who are the rich people? I say everybody in our church is rich. Everybody in our church is rich. None of us are poor. Some have a lot more stuff than others. That's okay doesn't really matter. You know what? doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that God has provided for us for what we need, and he encourages us to use that to reach others. So <clears throat> as we come to the conclusion today, I, I want to challenge you to look at that. If you, uh, if you need help in that area, you can sign up for Financial Peace. We're going to get a sign-up out in the foyer here on the Connect wall in the next week or two. You can get connected in that. Dan and Julie are going to teach it. It's a great class. I've done it. Trish and I have done it. Um, it, it's it, a lot of people here have done it and it will get you on the path to finding this freedom financially to be able to do more things that God wants to do in and through you <clears throat> let's pray Father we thank you today for the amazing ways that you blessed us Father we thank you that we have everything everything in life that we need in Christ Father that um, everything else is, is just uh, excess on top of that. Father, that we uh, are ask that you'd help us to be faithful with the things you've given to us, that we'll use that to bless others, to encourage others, to reach others with good news. Father, thank you for your kindness towards us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this, this morning... Um, Roy and Amy, it's, it's their, this is the Phillips family, their last day with us. And um, I'm going to ask the, to have them come down. And I want to invite you to come down and pray for them as they leave and, and go to start a church. Um, you just come and, and pray for them. And we're, we're thankful. We do owe them a great debt, great debt of gratitude for what they've done serving here and investing in lives and investing in our, our youth and um, in all of us as, as a church family. And, and we... Um, want to pray for God's blessings on you as you go and pray for uh, great success and, and reaching people in our community with the good news. So I just ask them to come down and, and um, ask, ask you guys to come down and pray over them 
as we pause, we stand.